Well, after a couple-week break, three-week break, I think, we are getting back to the book of Acts, which we have started uh, a few weeks ago. And um, the book of Acts, in case you're not familiar with it, was written by a guy named Luke. And Acts is really all about how the Holy Spirit worked through the early church, how the Spirit of God worked through the early church. And I emphasize that it's the Holy Spirit because it was only by his power that all of the amazing things that happened, happened. How the gospel went from 120 people meeting into a room to millions of people across the world. And so we're spending the next several weeks unpacking how the Holy Spirit worked, how he accomplished this. Why? Because if Jesus is who he says he is, then the same Holy Spirit that was given to the New Testament Christians is given to you and I today when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we are called to the same purpose, to take this message of hope and purpose to a world that badly needs it. And so I want to talk about how we get to that place. How do we fulfill that potential? Where do we get to a place where we're being used by the Holy Spirit in the same way? That we may have the same impact for the glory of God. Amen, church? Amen. So today, we're going to talk about moving forward. We're going to talk about moving forward. Because this is where the followers of Jesus were at. They've just watched Jesus ascend into heaven. He's given them the assignment to proclaim the gospel to the rest of the world. And as we look at the first steps that they take over these next couple of weeks, I think it's going to teach us a lot about how we move forward in our lives. And the reason that we need to hear this is far too many of us get stuck. We get stuck in our lives. We get stuck in the past. We get stuck in fear. And we're not moving forward in who God is calling us to be or what he is calling us to do. And so it's my prayer today that we will have the eyes to see and the ears to hear where we need to in our lives of how we move forward. Now, I'm going to say this week is a little special because I have way more to say then I have time to say it. And as much as I know you guys would love for me to preach for two hours, we have some baptisms to get to. Uh, I heard that snicker over there. May the Lord judge your soul. So if you see me today pausing for a minute and looking down, it's because I'm trying to discern of all the things that I have to say, what things God wants me to specifically say to you this morning. All right, so with that said, let's pick this up in verse 15. It says, in those days... Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was all in about 120 and said, and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. He's referring to the king, to king David who wrote most of the Psalms, the one who killed Goliath. Concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in his ministry. He was one of the disciples. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his bowels gushed out. And it became to know the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called, in their own language, Hakadama, if I can get that ark, Hakadama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp be desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. This is the word of the Lord. So before we get to talking about moving forward today, there's kind of one 
possible distraction, one accusation I've heard in the past that I want to address. There are some who will say that this speech by Peter is a contradiction, or yet another example of a contradiction in the Bible, thus proving it is not the word of God. Now, why do some claim this is a contradiction? Because Jesus, uh, Peter says that after Judas bought this field, after he betrayed Jesus, that he fell in this field and his bowels gushed out. The problem with that is that in Matthew 27, it says, and throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he, speaking of Judas, departed, and he went and hanged himself. Two different explanations for how Judas died. Except when you think about it objectively, it's easy to connect the dots. For if a man hangs himself from a tree and the branch breaks or the knots get loose, what happens to that body? It comes crashing to the ground. And if you've studied what happens to the body post-mortem, as I did when I took a class on embalming bodies, which is not anything anybody ever needs to know, you know the gases that build up. And it's easy to have to see that if a body were to hit a ground, in fact, I have a picture here what it looks like. I'm kidding. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, ooh. <laughs> so why doesn't Matthew talk about his guts falling out? Well, because Matthew and Peter are two different people. And as in any story that we're reminiscing from the past, and you, if you're married, you know you and your spouse do this often, you'll always highlight different aspects of that story. But that doesn't mean that either aspect is wrong. It's two different people, two different personalities sharing the same story. And I want to encourage you, if you sit here today and you have questions about the Bible, you know, it's not wrong to have questions. It's not wrong to be like, all right, this, this doesn't add up. Because as C.S. Lewis said, God cannot be in my heart if he doesn't make sense in my head. And so if you're in, ever in that place, I want to encourage you to investigate that. I'm always happy to talk with you about it because I probably asked yourself, asked the same questions. I want people not to have a faith that's based on fairy tales and pixie dust. I want them to have a faith because if they see the rock solid evidence that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, that we didn't just come out of nothing. And that the purpose and the love and everything that we experience is, is God-ordained and not just some freak cosmic accident. So I encourage you, don't sit with the questions, explore them. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, now that we've got there, let's get back to the point of what we're talking about today. Let's look at how Peter started this encouragement. He said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Had to be fulfilled. Peter was reminding the believers that were sitting there, that Jesus being betrayed by Judas was all a part of God's plan. He wanted to remind them this was part of God's plan. In fact, Judas, Peter says that Judas betraying Jesus was something that Jesus even knew about ahead of time. He understood it was coming. John 6, 64 it says, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And this is a fantastic reminder for us this morning that God is in control of the good and he's in control of the bad. There's not a moment where God is not in control of what happens. 
That doesn't mean that he chooses for everything to happen. He chooses for some things to happen and some things he just allows. But he is ultimately in control. He wasn't sitting in heaven and got shocking news from Gabriel the angel. Judas betrayed Jesus, God. What? How did that happen? It was all part of his plan. Now, what does this have to do with us moving forward this morning? Because when you realize that God is in control, it changes how, how you look at events in your life. It changes your perspective, as Miss Barbara spoke about last week. Especially if it, think of it in, in terms of betrayal. Can you think about the last time somebody betrayed you? Can you think of the last time somebody betrayed you? It's something that we have all gone through. And it happens a lot in our lives. It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts to be betrayed. It hurts because you've trusted somebody. You gave them something and then they broke it or they stole that trust. Now, some of us are over, able to overcome that betrayal and move forward, but some of us, we get stuck in that betrayal, and we stay in that past. Now, I want to be clear, there's no evidence that any of these men in the room were bitter with Judas. I'm not trying to say this. I mean, I'm going to guess there were. There were some that were, were angry with Judas, but then again, maybe not, because they, they saw how God used Judas and how Jesus rose again from the grave so, and used it for his own purposes, so maybe they did it. And sometimes when people betray us, we get to see God work in a really quick manner. And there isn't time for bitterness and hurt to really take a hold in our lives. But what happens when we don't see God move in that betrayal? How about, what happens when the betrayal isn't over fast or it isn't resolved quickly? We tend to get stuck in the past. Some of us, it's so painful that we deny the truth. We, we just tuck it back away and we pretend it never happened. And we walk through life like somebody, when, somebody who's carrying a bunch of heavy weights. Have you ever worked out when you're walking around there, you walk differently when you're just walking with your hands free than when you carry a bunch of 25-pound dumbbells in your hand. It, there's weight to it. And the more weight, the harder it is to walk. And so you walk through that life holding on to that. Some of us, we just brew in our bitterness. We dwell on what has been done with us, what has been taken from us, what the per people deserve to get. Sometimes that's the fun part, though, right? When you think about the things that could happen to them, it's, it's fun. You can admit it. It's all right. We're all sinners here. I mean, some of us, we've been replaying events in, from, in our lives from last week, last month, the last year, the last decade, our entire lives that continue just to roll through, like a, a projector showing the movie over and over and over and over again. We struggle to trust going forward. You gave trust to somebody and, and they did something bad with it. And so you, be, you, you stop giving your trust to other people. You become so leery in your life, you become an emotional iceberg. You shut parts of yourself down. In fact, you have relationships in your life right now where you don't give everything of yourself to that relationship because you shut down that part of you because it was too painful. You didn't want to deal with it. 
There's things that God's calling you to, asking you to step out in faith to, but you, you won't take that step because now that's dangerous. We hold on to doubt. You see things through this negative lens. It's like when you wear sunglasses. My, gla- my favorite glasses are like red tinted and they give everything a red tint. And, but then that's how I don't, I just like them, right? And, 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 uh, and when, so I'm driving around, everything looks red. In the same way, the betrayal, the hurt from the past, that's how you see everything. When you give advice to other people, you're seeing it through your hurt. When you're decision making, you're seeing it through your hurt. When you're looking at the world in, in, in either a good way or a bad way, you're seeing it through your hurt. It hurt from last week, a month ago, a year ago. It could be hurt from when you were a kid. And it steals joy. It leaves the soul in darkness, as Pastor Adrian Rogers said. And at the core of all of this, though we don't even see it, we don't even, we don't even realize it, is a lack in trust of God. Because when we go through betrayal and hard times in general, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to experience all of these things. Because Peter shows us this powerful truth that, that if we hold on to it and we really practice it in our lives, will literally change how we perceive everything that we're faced with, every betrayal, every hurt, and every pain. It's a truth that no other worldview can offer. And that truth is that, like I said, if Jesus is who he says he is, then God can take any and every situation, he can take any tragedy, any betrayal, and he can use it for his purposes. Peter says, man, God knew Judas was going to do this. I'm going to repeat this again. Do you know what this means for your life? It means that everything you experience in your life, bad and good, could be something that God's using, part of his plan in your life for something greater. Now, I'm not saying something easier. Look, Judas's betrayal led Jesus to the cross. Not something he was excited about if you ever read his prayer to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Ooh, I get to die on a cross. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. No, no, no. To use for good, not necessarily for your happiness and your pleasure. So I want to etch this into your lives that there is no bad that God cannot use for good. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care how horrible it is. And there are some tragic, painful, heartbreaking things that go on in this world. But there is no bad that God cannot use for good, period. And this is where eternal eternal mindset comes in. Because if, if you believe that we all came from apes or we're, we're just a magic dust that appeared and this life that is all there is, then of course your pain is magnified because this is it. You're, you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, of, however many years you get. But if you understand God created everything, that he is outside of time, then you know that compared to eternity, that our time on earth is about this big. 
Like I said, often when my kids will stub their toe when they were little, it would be the end of the world. You remember this, when you would hurt yourself when you were little and you were screaming the pain and your parent would not be as upset with you unless you had like an overprotective you know, parent, uh, which we sometimes have. You know, your parent would be like, it's gonna be okay. Why? Because your parent had that bigger perspective. They understand that a little bit of pain is not gonna last that long. In the same way, God understands that whatever we go through in our lives, it is not gonna last forever. Because of eternity, there is no bad that God cannot use for good. It's my, I always tell people this is my favorite thing about God. I read about it, I've lived it, and I've heard about it out of your lives, that, there, that God can take any tragedy and he turns it into beauty if we look to him. I mean, what betrayal what bad stuff that happened in your life that, that hurts? What stuff could God be using for his glory, for his purposes? That you haven't even seen yet. That you haven't even got a, a, a glimpse of yet. And, and, and speaking of glimpses, you may never get a glimpse. And this is why we can't put our hope in results. This is why we can't put our hope in like seeing God bring about good out of our bat. Because some of us, we may never see how our pain is used until we are in heaven. There are people who have passed away these last couple years and to watch how God has worked in the lives of those they left behind in ways that never would have happened if they were still here has been nothing short of amazing. Because sometimes in our lives when the things that we love the most are taken away, we're forced to look to God. And those people who passed away, they have no idea because they're not here, but one day they will. And in the same way, the pain that we go through, sometimes we, we won't understand until we get to heaven. Until maybe, fortunately, I don't know how heaven works. I'm not throwing this out here, but I'd like to think, I think it would be fun if you're hanging out in heaven, you know, playing, you know, golf. No, there can't be golf in heaven because there's no crying in heaven, so there's no golf. You know, you're flying, you know, doing whatever we're going to do. I mean, I'm sure it'd be great stuff. And to have somebody come up with you and say, you know, this happened to you, and then this, and this, and this, and this, and because of this, I found Christ. Listen, it, the God that we sang about and we serve, that those are the types of things that he does. And so our freedom from our betrayal and our pain in our lives, it can't be found in the results. God doesn't want us to look there because we may not find them. That's where we need to look to him, to be able to trust him. It says in Isaiah 46.10, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. No one's betrayal, no one's hurt in your life is going to thwart God's purpose in your life. Nobody's more powerful than God. And it softens your heart, what it does to the people that hurt you. 
See, when you, when you get betrayed, you think about what's been taken from you. But when you think about how God could be working, it softens your heart. You're like, you know what? This hurts. This was painful, but God might be using it. Maybe there's something he's doing with this. And that curiosity brings you hope. It softens your heart towards them. It keeps bitterness from building up. One pastor said, as believers, we cannot always know why but we can always know why we trust the God who knows why. And that is what makes the difference. And listen, and this idea of our betrayal, of betrayals and things of this nature not being used for God's purposes, it doesn't just count towards what people do to us, it counts to what we do to ourselves. How many times I've sat with people and counseled people and they will list off for me all of the things that they've done in their life and they're like, how, how could God still want to use me? I have this conversation when I look in the mirror. I know most of you probably do too. Like, I, how to, I continue to fail you time and time again. Until I remember a pastor once told me, he reminded me, he said, Jeff, and I've preached this here before, you're not that big of a deal. You're not that important. Excuse me? <laughs> That's hurtful. And his point was being, you're, we think we're too big of a deal. We think that our sin is so big, our mistakes are so big, that it's more powerful than God's providence. And it changed my perspective forever. Like, I'm just a peon next to God. What are my, what are my mistakes and my sins to him? Now, they affect my life, but they don't trump the providence of God. And so, and so when I sin, and I sin often, probably way more than any other pastor you've ever sat under. Way more. I know that God's providence is still there. His Holy Spirit working in me to help me become the man he knows that I can be, taking even my mistakes for his purposes. Hmm. Hmm. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who love God. And, and that's not always a verse that means that everything is flowers and rainbow and sunshine and little birds tweeping on your shoulders. Sometimes the good things that come out of our pain and suffering is when we get, God uses our pain and suffering to touch other people's lives. Sometimes God's going to allow you to go through things. Things that are going to make you think, God, why, why would you let this happen? And the healing, <laughs> it doesn't come when the, the pain is taken away because the pain may never go away. But one of the greatest places the healing comes is when you, you get to help somebody else walk through what you went through and you get to point them to Jesus while you're doing it. There's so many ways that God uses things together for good. Sometimes it is your weakness that points people to God. Remember in 2 Corinthians when Paul is saying, man, I got this thorn in my side and we don't know what it is. And, and he's, like, he's like, God, will you take this away? And God said, look, I'm not taking it away. 
my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so he writes all of these letters for us from while he's sitting in a dirty, nasty prison cell about joy and contentment and peace in the Lord. And millions upon millions have been encouraged by them. Why? All out of what the bad that was happening to him. There is no bad in your life that God cannot use for good as you look to him. And nothing else in this world offers that kind of hope. Nothing. You know, even here, I stand here today, I was thinking this the other day. I was in uh, New Orleans visiting my family, and I was looking at some photos of the first year I got to the church. I'm coming up here almost on my fifth year being here. And these, I can honestly say to you all, these are some of the best years of my life. Just hands down, the best year. For the, rest, for the first time in my life, Maria and I was like, we, we could be here forever until we kick the bucket and we would just be happy as could be. The relationships and the family that we have here. But you know what? I'm partly here. Now, I want to say this carefully because it's complicated, but I'm partly here because I've been betrayed. People have betrayed me in my life, in ministry positions, and, and had a hand in me leading here. And when I was betrayed in those times, I wasn't thinking about how I could trust God, how I could, he could use all things for good. And so I got bitter and I got angry. And it robbed my joy and it robbed my peace. It prevented me from handling it in a way that would honor God all of the time. And yet now I stand here because of God's faithfulness, because his purposes cannot be thwarted, and I get the pure joy of being a part of this church. And it just makes me think right this moment, what you are going through, where maybe you're just not thinking and dwelling enough on the fact that God can use anything for his purposes and for good. Oh, there's freedom in realizing that. There's freedom in putting your eyes more on the Lord than on the problems of your life. That's partly what we're doing here today. Now, this understanding the sovereignty of God, it doesn't just help you heal from the past, but it helps you move on in the future. Because one of the things that we do, and this happens a lot with church leaderships, is we want to protect ourselves when something bad goes wrong. I'm not going to let this happen again. We do this in our lives. We do this in business. Anywhere we go wrong, we go straight to the defense mode. I will keep myself out of this kind of situation. The problem is, in God's word, he never calls you to just simply protect yourself. God will sometimes call you into dangerous situations, into uncomfortable situations, into scary situations for his glory. But because we're more focused on our hurt and our pain, we're like, nope, gotta protect myself. I'm gonna let that happen again. That's from the Karate Kid, so you know. But when we remember, it's a phrase I use often, that God is with us and that God is ahead of us. I'm like, you know what? I can step into that danger. I can step into the unknown. 
I can go back into a scary situation. I can put myself back up there by the leading of the Holy Spirit because I know that God is with me. And whatever comes down that road, I can't control what everybody else does, but I'm going to do what he wants me to do. God is with us, and God is ahead of us, so I'm going to do their next right thing. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do you know that there are people, people who read this verse that were martyred for Christianity? And he says, your labor is not in vain. And this is exactly what the disciples did. In the rest of this chapter, they choose another man to take Judas's spot. That was their next step as they waited for the work of the Holy Spirit. That, in that moment, that's all they were supposed to do while they were waiting the work of the Holy Spirit. And so they did that. Peter goes on to say, look, Judas betrayed his spot. Now we're going to refill it and we're going to get down to business for the Lord's work. In the same way, you are being called to something in your life. It's time to get down to business. What is the next right thing that God is calling you to do? Sometimes it's a huge step, like we'll see in a couple weeks in the Bible. Sometimes it's a small step, like they did. They just chose a new dude to fill the spot. But the point is, even in those small steps, you're still moving forward. So in your hurt, in your pain right now, are you asking that question, what is the next right thing God wants me to do? And then because you know he's with you and ahead of you, and that he can use anything for his good, are you willing to take the step?